The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? It's yours truly, Cameron Fry. His Girl Friday coming at you live on a Saturday night. It's about 8.30 p.m. It's been a while. It's been over a month. Last time I <laughs> recorded a pod and posted His Girl Friday, it was, I think I had COVID. And I'm happy to say that that is very much out of my system. Uh, the rest of the fam would eventually have symptoms. And they, you know, a lot of February was fighting illness. Not so much personally. Not, January was my month, but February um, came like a vengeance for the rest of the fam, and I think it started not from me, but elsewhere. Believe it or not. So, anyway, the saga continues. If it's not one thing, it's the other. It kind of feels that way. Still, been, it's, it's been a great year. It's hard to believe it's already March fifth as I record this. Uh, kind of hard to believe. And a quick Juby update before I forget. She is doing well at this point. Um, you know, she's looking at a tracheostomy. We're definitely going the trach route from the medical guidance we received in the past week, and we had she had two extubation attempts uh, last month that did not work. She only lasted ten minutes back on February third, and then about three weeks later, she lasted about three hours. Got to the CPAP, but couldn't hold the pressure on her lungs too great, so. Uh, she's six and a half months old. She was born on August 21st. If this is, you know, if you're tuning in for the first time and you don't know much about the situation, Juby, my youngest, she has yet to have a homecoming. She was born at 25 weeks. Uh, she was a micro creamy, uh, micro preemie, weighed one pound, and is now up to 10. Uh, she is now officially in double digits. Um, she was supposed to be born on Thanksgiving, but came, like I mentioned, uh, August 21st, and so a lot of storylines, a lot of content has been driven by what Liz and I have been going through, what we've been learning on this faith journey, and certainly it's felt like an exercise because we've had to pump up um, new levels and build new muscle, spiritually speaking, and there's a lot going into where we're going as his school Friday, influenced by large-scale narratives involving the fam. And so this post tonight, again, I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet and simple, but this is one of those posts that are inspired by what we're going through. And in fact, the inspiration from this post came from a letter that I got in the mail. Uh, listen, I, a uh, dear friend from church, she's a mentor, she's one of the, she's a retired teacher, she's one of the most respected teachers in the metro Nashville circle uh, in the science community, I should say, and we got to know each other through Commission U. If you look uh, on His Girl Friday website, you'll see a separate section of Commission U. We're looking to resurrect this after a two-year hiatus. Just a lot has had to you know push to the wayside with new job and then COVID and then the Juby saga and just um, really it's been almost a month since we found out we were hey surprise we're pregnant again. So just a lot of forks in the road and unexpected events and surprises and uh, just a lot of, hey, certainly didn't see that coming, but we're going somewhere exciting. We're going somewhere positive. And at the end of the day, we we anchor and surrender our faith and our trust in God. And we were just reminded that uh, he is ultimately in charge and in control, or at least he shouldn't be those things in our lives if we're really wanting to live as Christ and to die 
to the self. So tonight's message, message in a bottle, why God collects our tears. And the reason why this ties back to that card I got in the mail is because when I opened and read it with lists, the verse that my friend highlighted, brought to our attention, uh, comes from uh, came from Psalm 56, verse 8. You have kept count of my tossings, put my fears, excuse me, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? That is the English Standard Version. And at first I'm reading this, I'm confused. I'm like, what? What a random passage to throw in there. Kept count of my tossings. What are even tossings? Apart from 3 a.m. body shifts. Tossings, you know, like tossings and turns, like when in the middle of the night when you're trying to shut off the mind, when it's racing a million miles an hour and you're just thinking about all the things you could have done better in life from yesterday to 10 years ago and you're trying to make sense of everything, you're trying to fall back to sleep and you realize <laughs> this is futile. You're just trying to find the right position that you can just breathe and try to still yourself and get that last rim cycle. That's what I think of when I think tossing. Uh, or just, uh, I guess that's number one. Number two would be making a salad or something. <laughs> tossings. What are tossings? I was trying to figure that out. And then uh, connecting the other metaphors. It just seemed like one, like almost like David was overdoing it on the word picture front. Too much metaphor. Too much imagery. What's the tie-in between bottle and book. Is there something specific that I'm supposed to glean from this in present application? So I did some digging, followed my curiosity into the word, which may or may not be my default entrance these days. If I'm just being honest with you, um, I'm trying to get back in a more consistent rhythm this year. That's not so much a Bible reading plan, but just I, I'm, what I'm doing in my walk with the Lord is I'm pressing into him more than ever before because I feel like I, I have to, to keep my head above the water. There has to be some consistency in, okay, I got to journey up the mountain with him and just sit, you know, there's like this bench at the top of the mountain. I got to sit with him and just process the grievances, the sufferings, the temptations to give into fear and anxiety and be so, you know, so overwhelmed by the unknown and the fears that come with it. I got to find that bench with God and just sit and talk with him. And then curiosity builds the more I just, you know, Lord, I'm going to pour out here. And then as I pour out my heart, I find things, oh, I'm seeing that. I didn't realize it was in there. It just came out. Wow. Okay. And then the Lord responds, and one way or another may not be instantly, but just he gives me something to just like a breadcrumb to follow. I'm just like, I'm so, okay, I got to figure this out. And I find myself just naturally, okay, I'm in the Word trying to stitch the mystery together. It's almost like, I don't have to be so, again, overwhelmed or stressed to figure out the why these things are happening right now in my life. As much as I'm a why guy, I don't have to know God's why. I just have to yield and press in and reference Him in all that's going on. Just lean into Him. It's like, it's okay you don't have all the answers. You're not supposed to, son. But here... Here's something that I'm looking to do in all of this. This is how I can be glorified in the midst of your pain and of your hurt, the turmoil around you. And Psalm 56 is one of those beautiful, melancholy, yet 
just one of those psalms that you can't help but really relate to on a deep level. For Enneagram 4s, this is a great one to bookmark and highlight because David is in a position of feeling so helpless, or at least the temptation to. In fact, if you look at Psalm 56 header, the passage was written after the Philistines seized David and Gath. They oft quoted, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, verse 3. This came five verses before verse 8. I mean, that's basic math, but you could see that that was really the heart cry that set the tone for the rest of the passage. It would become a critical heart cry for David in the moment that allowed his hope to rise above the flesh. A simple statement, but the declaration established not just a tone, but this immediate divide between eternal safety and present concern. This really solidified his endgame. You you go to the very end, the, the last verse of Psalm 56, verse 13, and you see that David had locked his heart, his mind, he had locked his entirety on God. His eyes were on the prize, or eyes was on the prize. Uh, I'm going to walk before God in the light of life. What can man do to me? I'm not going to give in to the fear. I'm going to replace that with a trust that, again, I don't understand the situation that I'm in, and I, I understand that this is not a great situation to be in. I am in possession by my enemies. Who would want to be in that situation? I am in a desperate spot. I'm, I'm between a, a rock and a hard place. But I'm going to let God be my rock as I tread upon this hard place. I am in motion. To be seized implies motion. So as I journey, I need to know that God is there with me, that he hasn't ultimately abandoned me, that somehow there's going to come a point when I will be free, and it's not just the literal freedom of not being in possession of my enemies, but it's the freedom in Christ that comes when I am at peace knowing that what ultimately matters hasn't forsaken me. But this is going somewhere, and it's in this whole situation, there's an internal significance that is so far greater than my, you know, my understanding in the moment. I could still walk before my Lord and experience this light in the darkness when I'm tempted to be afraid. I don't have to surrender to that. I may have to surrender to the Philistines, but I'm not going to surrender to the fear. God help me. And, you're, and you do. And he does all the time. That intimacy with... And that's why I love Psalm 56. It's like David was not detached from this intimacy with him. It's just... I'm looking at what's in front of me. I'm being drawn out of this cave. I'm being taken away from a stable place. And now everything around me is unstable. But even though, I, even though I'm saddened by what's, what's going on, even though there are legit reasons to shed these tears, I am no longer a place of safety. You are my safety. You are my, my sacred refuge and security. You could still be that for me. And they're not in vain. I mean, David had eternity in mind and just kept count of my thoughts. It's like, you, you know all. You're, uh, you're not always there, but you know what's going to happen. Nothing takes you by surprise. That theme is, even though it's not verbatimly expressed, I just made up a word, but whatever. 
nothing takes you by surprise. So I'm going to, you know, as I surrender, I'm just going to trust that you have this in the palm of your hand. And, and that's why the tears in the bottle, you know, that's what we're going with here. So one can imagine what David was feeling emotionally as all of this was happening. But yes, uh, there's, there's four observations I really want to pinpoint. I stumbled upon the first one without really numbering. Uh, the point of tonight is um, here are four basic powerful reminders that we can get out of Psalm 56. Regard, you know, if you're going through a situation like mine, when you have a, a you know, your flesh and blood, life on the line, things could turn any moment and you feel like you're constantly walking on eggshells wondering how this is going to end or you're going through something similar in scale just where it's like, okay, life and death, like that extreme level, <laughs> um, I'm constantly contending the what if game. How's this going to play out? How's Jubilee going to fare today? And there's just a, you know, I am learning how to be more like Christ for his foremost, but also like David, who really had this reflect Jesus' existence. Like the way he had lived was so foreshadowing in a lot of ways. You know, that line you could see unfolding over the future generations. And he just knew how to rest in chaos. Like David's life was full of crisis. Uh, and we, if we're living life right, I think we're going to find episodes and seasons of chaos and crisis. And we need to not be afraid or try to, we not weasel, but try so hard to avoid them at all costs. So sometimes just, there's no way. Like In fact, we're going to encounter them as an overflow, a function of being obedient and following God's lead and His voice. Um, sometimes He's going to call us into the void. And we're called to be salt and light as we walk through it, and it's and it, we don't have to feel guilty that it's uncomfortable. In fact, we have a chance to understand how, in the end of the day, meaningless almost that convenience really is. A lot of times we we synonymize convenience and safety, and we lose track of who God is in the process. We just want to be able to have a peaceful pillow that greets our face at the end of a long day and feel like, you know, we're being productive and all is well. But it's circumstantial, and that's the thing. A lot of um, our peace, is, it's based on te the temporary and circumstantial. And when when the normal rhythm gets uprooted, we start to freak out and panic, we, in some cases scatter. And we have to come together in those moments. We have to maintain this unity and community posture um, but we have to press into Jesus, and it's that's why it's so hard to do it when you don't are not fostering and facilitating that relationship with Him. So, but that's a conversation for another day. For now, I'm going to move on from one, which uh, the, that first observation was the declaration that David established. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in You, uh, verse three, and then how that uh, solidifies end game ten verses later. And we have literally in the midpoint, the midpoint of this. Is verse 8, and that is, again, the mantle of our conversation tonight. Second observation, the word tossings, I, I hinted that that's one that struck out, and I think that's stuck out, I should say. It stands out as a word worth underlining. 
Although bedside maneuvers can be involved on a larger scale, tossings refer to wanderings and challenging seasons we walk through. The fact God is quantitatively cognizant, he knows our suffering, should assure us of his sovereignty and omnipresence in times of strife. One could say this makes perfect sense given God is continually directing our steps. Proverbs 16.9, Listen, and I literally talked about that today. You know, we're, we're having to, you know, we've been in this intersection of, do we try maybe a third extubation attempt in March, or we just go straight to the trach room, like the doctors are saying? Because logistically, we're going to have to jump a, a lot more hurdles going the trach route. And I was thinking for a while, I need to, I think giving faith room to breathe would mean that we try again a third excavation attempt, but I'm having to reevaluate that. I'm not going to get so specific, but we've had to whiteboard uh, things that we thought maybe God was calling us to, maybe not so much, maybe it was the flesh, and we're having to reevaluate the plan. And it's okay to do some forecasting, you and your spy partner or whatever. There's wisdom in that, but it's also you have to do that under the heading of God is continually directing our step, establishing them as we go. And that's why it's so important to be yielded because it's okay to project out and, and, and consider how this could go. But ultimately, it's like, okay, as I consider, like, God, I'm checking in with you here. You know, what can you confirm your will through your word? Because I want to be aligned to that. And if I'm not, show me where I'm off because I want to calibrate. I don't have to know everything. Again, I don't even have to know why. But what matters is you, not the flesh, guiding me through this uh, uncertainty. So God is continually directing our steps and knows everything from the number of our days to the hairs on our heads. Psalm 139, Luke 12, 7 are your references there. So, and, and David knows, like, okay, the God is on my side, knows how many numbers of Grains of sand are on the planet. And so if, if, if I'm in his hand, that's where I'm, I want to be. And that's where I ultimately am. And that's what matters. That's what's going to, that is the eternal significance that provides really the purpose we crave to know as we're going through. Like the reasoning that we know, okay, we're not going to get the, the reasoning as it uh, soothes the flesh, so to speak. But we can get the purpose of, okay. Um, God has taken me somewhere into a sweeter place where I can actually experience peace as I'm going through pain um, and that I can actually mature in gratitude of the, even the simple small things that he's always doing for us that we sometimes take for granted or don't even realize. Observation number three, despite the verse's urgent tone, the concept of bottled tears stabilizes the tenor. To David, tears were deposits of desperate trust into bottles uh, or into a bottle of remembrance. Given he had already surrendered his fear of what men could do to him in verse 3, he had by proxy opened his heart to receive comfort and his posture to look up. I'm very big about the horizontal and the vertical. You can think of the horizontal in this case, receiving comfort, but the posture, like, okay, i got to make sure I'm referencing God as I go through this. Poetic license applied. The metaphor is a beautiful reminder how even in great pain and distress, we can acknowledge the God who rejoices over us with gladness, F9, 317, as, this, um, as the same God who weeps alongside us when troubles mount. 
Finally, we come to my last observation, just as God's omnipresent, as he, as he is omniscient. Since nothing takes God by surprise, Psalm 95, the idea of God telling a ledger of our trials and tribulations should encourage us, should hearten us to take heart. I mean, think about it. God not only wipes what we weep, but is forever on standby to offer joy as featured within the unveiling of his purposes and promises. How sweet it is knowing we can delight in suffering in remembrance of Christ, knowing he does the same thing with us each and every day. And that is one of the points. If you didn't get anything out of what I said earlier, this is one to star and come back to. The communion element, that communion reality. You know, we, we take communion, the elements, a lot of times in church services, we we take the juice, we take the bread, represent the blood and body of Christ. And we, uh, as we come to the cross... In our weekly gatherings, we respond to grace and conviction. We pour out our hearts before the Lord, remembering Christ. We can take part in a reciprocating process. He does the same thing with us each and every day in a different way. He is identifying with us in the suffering. We, we often will be one way with this approach. You know, we, we, we remember the sufferings of Christ when he did, oh, his great love for us, and that's so great. He, he took the nails for me. He took my sin to wash me. Like, okay, yes, I am compelled to surrender my sin and to get right with God in this moment. But he's identifying with us as we go through pain and trials. And again, I, I talked about chaos and crisis mode. He remembers it too. And that's the thing. Like there, it, this comes full circle. David got this. And, it, and it's blowing my mind that we can delight in suffering because Christ went through it. He laid, found, he laid the ultimate blueprint on how we can uh, experience joy, how we can be tethered in hope. We can uh, mature and are walking in our faith as we go through suffering. Uh, but as we remember the cross, it's like, okay, but... God understands what you're going through as well. And nothing takes him by surprise. And he's there with you as you walk through it. So it's not like he just set a trail for us to follow and he's detached now and just kind of like ask G style, like, okay, just call me when you need me. <laughs> How many millennials out there have that view of God? And it's hurting their own walks. Again, conversation for another day. I just see the two-way street in all this based on the nature of God, the nature of Christ, and how it applies to his presence and power in the midst of great sadness and suffering, uncertainty, confusion, whatever. You could add your own word to it. He is there, and the remembrance part is what I want you guys to remember. It's why, even if the tears... In, in a bottle is just simply poetic license, that's okay because the book is not. Like there is some form, some tally, some ledger, um, and it is part of who God is. He, you know, <laughs> nothing happens in vain. Even when we make 
terrible life choices and we mess up, we sin, we fall short of the glory of God, He can redeem that. He can restore us and get us back on track to the point where, you know what, you just took a scenic route, but I'm going to show you how I can, again, redeem and restore the situation, how uh, I'm going to sharpen you through this, <laughs> help you remember how uh, you can learn from this and grow from this and be blessed from this, for that matter. I'm going to be that divide, just like David understood, the, you know, in the beginning of all this, the immediate divide between eternal safety and present concern. I'm going to be that divide for you, where you let go of the past, you even let go of what's happening now, and you surrender it all, and it's all about where God is taking me as He sanctifies me, as He establishes my steps through and out of this hard place that I'm in. And some of you listening to this, you may feel like David between a rock and a hard place. But as I recall, you know, one of the convictions late last year, just what a great place to be in though, because we may feel the, the painful pangs of the hard place, but all the more reason to let God be your rock. And if God is your rock, then all you have really is a hard place. It's, it's not so much between a rock and a hard place. Seeing them as two negatives and I'm stuck forever in the middle of them. It's, no, we have a rock. That's, that's who God is. Constantly there for us. And the hard place is temporary. The rock is eternal. The rock is not going anywhere. So I am anchored to the eternal. And I just need to hold on to the end of my rope and cry out as I do so. And that's sort of the bottom line in all this. In seasons of grief and times of challenge, don't be afraid to cry out and leak a little along the way. As David literally and figuratively expressed, our tears, again, never in vain. And here's why. I'll give you five reasons, and then we'll close. They carry purpose and power. I'm going to give you some verse references so you can look them up on your leisure. They're also linked on the post. Isaiah 38, 5, 2 Timothy 1, 4. They reflect obedience and surrender to Christ, Acts 9.16, story of Paul. And what God told him about how he would have to suffer in my name. Uh, help us journey into God's goodness, another Psalm 39.12. And here's another one, sustain us through perspective. How God will broaden, you know, broaden our horizons to see the big picture as he sees it. Enlarge our capacity, this is the last one, enlarge our capacity to receive love and intimacy. That's 2 Corinthians 2.4. These are all reasons why our tears are never in vain and how God uses them more specifically. Uh, if you want to, you know, get into the bottle, what is the bottle? Tears in the bottle. What does that look like? Well, those are some, some snapshots, of, you know, certain facets, if you will. We just have to remember that God tracks what he allows to stretch us and what he appoints to transform us into his likeness. That, to me, is another way of capturing the bottle uh, where our tears are going when we deposit them in trust. So, but that's all I got. I, I hope this really blessed you that you got something out of it, that maybe there's a few lines or, or verses that inspired you to um, see God in a different way. As always, if you have any questions about content or you just need someone to talk with, um, if you want to uh, leave me a message in some capacity, you know our social media outlets. 
Well, listen, I would love to pray for you. love to be there in some way and support you through what you're going through. We're going through crazy times, but we don't want that to be a distraction or a rock that we hide behind. Speaking of unholy rocks, uh, not the Alpha and Omega rock. Um, so just know that we want to be like Christ and being a steady presence no matter what. And seasons change, but it doesn't matter. We're going to pray for you regardless. So I'm going to end in prayer, and I will let you guys be on your way. And as always, we'll catch you on the fry. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for what you're going through, for what you're allowing us to go through, I should say. We we so love you and the journeys that you anoint and appoint for us to walk through. And sometimes we get discouraged because we're like, oh, I didn't realize this journey had some hellish moments along the way or some moments where it's just so incredibly arduous. We can't, we can't fathom exactly what it is we're we're going through we feel disoriented we feel discouraged the disappointment is real and it's okay there may be some other elements you know fear of failure things other things we're contending with guilt shame you know uh, resemblances um you know echoes of the past reflections of the past i don't know but some of you there may be some other interesting elements in play with what you're going through right now and why you feel so overwhelmed and why the waters seem like they're going from you know knee to waist deep to even neck deep but just know that God is not going to let you drown. He is a foothold. He is your foundation. He is that resting point for your feet. And just as, you know, he's establishing our steps, sometimes we have to remember that those steps are being, <laughs> they're being established underwater, but doesn't mean that you are under the waves per se. Like he's still stilling the waters in your midst. You just have to orient and align yourself to his perspective. And that's something I just pray that, God, you will help us do by your spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you refresh our minds and still our minds in a lot of ways? Will you uh, ignite and prick our hearts even and just do what only you can do to capture and rapture our attention and fix it on you so that we can experience what David experienced in the moment? I am in the presence of my enemies, I'm being seized by my enemies. I am not literally, physically in a safe place, but all the more reason to, to have that perspective of, but oh, but this reminds me, you are the ultimate safety. You could still be that for me. You have Just because of what's going on doesn't mean you've forsaken me. It just means that you're going to be there in a different way for me. And I just pray that you'll wash over us, God, with that type of mentality moving forward and that you will just, again, inspire us to press in, to reach out and not be afraid to cry out along the way. If we feel like emotion is weakness, I just pray just against any lies of the enemy that would come and just seek to rob us of that joy, of that peace that would say, oh, you know, um, expressing that emotion is uh, is a weak thing. Hey, yes, we are weak. Guess what? That's not a newsflash. Um, in fact, it, you know, leaning into God's strength and being transparent through our weakness is actually one of the signs of um, Christ's strength operating in and through us. And so that's how we can taste that strength is by being expressive. But and we just have to know the right time to express that. And a lot of times it is going to be one-on-one -on -one, uh, moments with God. So just lead us down those sweet paths with you. Help us find our own bench on the mountaintop. Uh, help us to you know carve out paths to where we can just daily tap into your heart so that we can ultimately align to it again like that, that your will and your word will be 
easily discerned and that we, you know, that we get aligned to at the end of the day, that we can be anchored and tethered to it. So um, I do pray all this in your precious name. Awaken us to the, the amazing things that you do all the time for us. And um, will you pour forth your wisdom, your peace? Uh, we thank you that you're a sovereign God who is trustworthy, who is holy. And we just thank you so much for all that you do for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, guys, have a great week, and we're here for you as always. Catch you on the fry. Peace.